Welcome in to Two for One Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner, the Wednesday edition of Two for One Drafts. Only one pod a week, Mike, throughout the summer. I'm kind of bummed about it. I got to be honest. Monday with no pod, kind of, I, I wasn't feeling great about it. It felt really different. I, I didn't love the no pod. I loved it just being like, felt like the off season this week for the yes. first time. And I, and I, as much as I love the in season, as much as I love the draft, and you know I love the draft. It's nice to take a break every once in a while. Dude, absolutely. No, no, I agree. It's, I, I said this recently. It's nice to breathe at work. You know, being able yeah. to breathe a little bit, plan ahead, and work towards bigger things during the season I think is pretty awesome. But uh, one pot a week, we've got to make the best of it. Today we're going to go over the 2021 wide receiver class. You wrote about what? How many guys you got coming up in this article for PFF? 16 guys in this article, and it's why the 2021 wide receiver class will be better than the 2020 class. It is that headline's hot by every sense of the word stack. And I, I, as much as I hate like saying predicting the future and certainty in the future, because obviously, as we know, in coronavirus times right now, there's really no certainty in the future. And saying will be better is purely for clicks. I get that. I sold out a long time ago. But <laughs> I truly believe that right now, at this point in time, like this point in time, this class compared to last year's class at this point in time is better. So mm-hmm. that's how I feel about 2021 it is there's a lot of talent to go around oh man I, i've watched a handful of the guys already i don't know if i've watched all 16 of these guys but i watched a handful and i'm super impressed i feel like there's a ton of speed in this class i, I think that's really impressive and i thought there was a ton of speed in last year's class like this yeah. class is uh pretty gonna be awesome let's go ahead and start you know kick this off with you kind of broke this out into the do it allers explosive plays waiting to happen catch point kings the mm. souped up gadgets you got some you got some, you got some, uh, you got some interesting I tried things to, here. I tried to, yeah, put them into categories. Tiers. What, ty- what, not tiers, but like, like what type of wide receivers these guys are. Okay, gotcha. Because I thought they were not some, a ranking like, distinct, though. No, the, and they are ranked within their sort of respective categories in this article. But it's not right now. Like comparing Rondale Moore right now, the Purdue wide receiver who's five nine, one eighty five, to someone like. Uh, some someone like Jamar Chase, who is what is he six two, like two ten, like that, that's not yeah. gonna. They're they're, do, they're playing different positions right now. Like that is yeah. for all intents and purposes with the way the NFL is going. They're gonna Are offer you ready for things. the the Rondale so. Moore Steve Smith comps. I I, I I get a lot about. I really like the Steve Smith comp for Rondale Moore because he was that all purpose guy that could win on the outside, but a very small receiver, strong as hell. Everyone when I you know I tweeted out recently about Rondale Moore, blown away by his tape. Everyone is saying the dude is strong as hell, like one of those stronger players on Purdue, pound for pound. And I think I'm interested to see if he makes Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Because the guys that talk about his workout routine is just absurd. Oh, he's going to. He he, <laughs> he squatted over 600 pounds, right, in high school or something like that's that. That's right. That's right. You know, yeah, I saw someone. He's just a horse. He's almost, like, too strong. You want him to be a little more speed. I mean, obviously, he's fast as hell, but you want he could use even more. He doesn't need any more strength in his game. I don't know, man. He's he's incredible on tape. I really, really do like going into that. So let's go ahead and start this. Before we get into the receivers, I know you wanted to kind of talk about some of the current events with COVID-19 and 
are we going to have a college football season? Recently, we had here from, I think, ABC7 reporting that California State University campuses will remain closed through the fall semester, completely virtual learning. And before we get to the sports, can we have this discussion? Should tuition not drop for this semester because you're all staying at home and doing virtual Zoom courses and online tests and all that kind of stuff? I'm of the opinion, yes. Like, you paid to go to this university. Can you imagine, like, your first semester at college being virtual? I would be livid. Yeah, I wonder what the transfer rate is going to be for these schools. And I wonder if what the transfer rate is going to be like if, like, so California schools say we're not playing football this fall. Like, their teams just disband. Oh, man. Right? Like, if, if that's a thing, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to get into with this conversation because this is the first sort of tangible sort of someone coming out and saying something that's actually going to impact this fall. Like, for them to actually declare that right now, I don't think there's any going back on it if you're the government. Like, and if things do clear up, and if the virus has, like, been, I don't, I don't want to say eradicated, because I don't think it's going to be eradicated, but, like, the risks are way lower, and the cases have gone down a ton by then, I still don't think you can just be like, oh, you know, now we're going back to class. Like, this is, seems like they're not going to be in class no matter what this fall. Man. Uh, but I don't, I don't know how that, how you could justify putting out a football team and telling football players you come to campus when you, you know, you get in this large group when you're telling the rest of the students, you're not all right to be in this large group. That just seems like something that's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be the case. Like, I, I think this is, in my opinion, a death knell for the state schools in California to be playing football this fall. Man, I don't know if that's true. I, I, so I did go to San Diego State, and I'm still on the like mm-hmm. communications email chain. I got an email last night from the Mountain West, like the president of the Mountain West and like the corresponding schools within it, like San Diego State, San Jose State, the two kind of major football schools there in, in that state system. And they said you know, they have not made a decision on fall athletics, all fall athletics, and how they're yeah. going to be treated. Like, So they have made a decision, obviously, with California State schools and, and will they be on campus, but athletics are still in the air and i also read somewhere else that i don't i've read that some schools aren't committing to if there are are indeed virtual classes in fall aren't committing to not having athletics i think it's again it's what makes money baby that's i mean money is what drives every single decision across the board it's not always like health unfortunately that's cynical of me i get that like that's not how it should be viewed i agree that it should be health first but Money is what's going to drive a lot of the decisions as we press forward. It's why things are opening up. It's why, you know, we're making decisions against some of like, you know, the suggestions or the recommendations by doctors. It's because money is driving these things. So I, I, I don't know. I still think there's a chance state schools play football this semester, knowing that money will be driving those decisions. But I do agree that it's a significant step against that, knowing that they don't yeah. want you know students on campus. So very interesting yeah. stuff. Let's get to less bleak stuff. Let's let's yeah. let's imagine a world where the 2019 college football season is as assured as ever. And That's talk the world about I live in. That's, I want to live, in that, live in that world. Yeah. <laughs> Can I join you? Um, <laughs> but the 2021 receiver class, like this upcoming season, there's so much potential in watching a ton of these guys really outperform or overperform expectations. Starting with the in the do it allers category, Jamar Chase. Of LSU. I mean, this guy has been talked about a ton. He's wide receiver one on a lot of pre-draft boards right now, knowing just how he dominated at LSU this past season and dominated on the outside. You know, J- Justin Jefferson had some good numbers as well, but what Jamar Chase did against Pressman on the outside was really, really impressive. Yeah, this dude has a true sophomore. He led the nation in receiving yards, 1,780 receiving yards, touchdowns, 20 touchdowns, and deep receptions, 24 deep receptions. He had 
He has 10 more deep receptions last year than any other returning player in the country. Next closest was 14. Like this guy, I, I almost, and just watching him on just like TV copy LSU last year, I feel like I underrated his speed. Like going back and watching him now, yes. I was like, oh, you know, maybe he's like, he looks like he might be like a 4-5 guy. Like I think this guy's like a legit 4-4, maybe low 4-4. It's like he can, when he cranks Dude, it we up, had this conversation he recently. gets by guys. Yeah, I, know. I was like, and dude, I was like, Jamar Chase is fast, like actual, like yeah. actually fast. Yes, and that's on me, and he is, and he just, and, and the thing is, he's not just fast. Like, we're gonna get some guys on this list who are just fast, and that's what mm-hmm. they bring to the table, and you can win with that, and that can like be a skill that can help you in the NFL, and that you don't have to have a t- ton of if you're explosive enough. He has that explosiveness, but then he also can beat the shit out of you, like at the line of scrimmage at the catch point, as we saw with first-round pick A.J. Terrell, second-round pick Trayvon Diggs, just crushed both of those guys. And so yes. I, I do think that he might get overthought because he's not going to come close to those numbers this year. Like, no way he gets 1,780 yards. He might get, he might get <laughs> 1,100 yards and still be as dominant, if not more dominant, than he was last year. But I, I do think that Jamar Chase pretty much – this is a top 10 sort of player. And if you're not, and if you're thinking otherwise about him, if you're like, eh, trying to poke too many holes in this game, I think you're just overthinking that. What I saw, you know, originally when you're watching him in season and I'm, you know, you're studying like 2020 prospects, I think what I was underrating was the physicality. Like you didn't see, I didn't see that until you see him go against Trayvon Diggs and just blow him out of the water. And then being pressed man with physicality, not necessarily quick feet. What I did see is that speed, man, because he's got it. And I think he can really, really win down the football field. So uh, he's got really high expectations, high expectations he should meet. I mean, obviously, if you, you obviously has a temper expectations from a production standpoint, but from a skill standpoint, I think he's really going to blow it up. All right, next guy on this list here is Amon Amon Ra St. Brown, the the brother, the triplets of, I think, Osiris St. Brown at Stanford and then formerly Equinemia St. Brown from Notre Dame. Uh, all three of those guys are like athletic freaks. Yes. Um, this guy, just another one, another one coming down the track here. So he's very different from his brother. Like Equinemia is 6'5", uh, had speed, but was more of a contested catch guy, not super flexible, was a little stiff in his routes. Amon Ra is like very different from that. He played m- – Almost exclusively slot there at USC. Played a little bit on the outside in the Cal game. One of the wide receivers was heard. He filled in outside. Looks really that good dude. There. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So he has route running chops that just like are he's very advanced for only being a true sophomore last year. The dude can run routes at a high level. 6'1", 195. Uh, I feel like that's kind of your sweet spot at wide receiver for being versatile, being able to do anything you want in the passing game nowadays in terms of agility, speed, uh, and still being physical enough to catch point. I, I think he has that. He might not be another guy who might not. There are going to be some guys with elite physical tools testing-wise in this draft class. I don't think he's going to be one of them, but he's still very, very capable in that regard. Uh, I, I think right now he's first-round talent in my eyes. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, 77 receptions for 103 targets for 1,042 yards and six touchdowns this past year. The only thing I had 
you know, looking at his tape was that you just want to see more reps outside. And you you see yes. it in the slot, like similar to like Jerry Judy had a lot of reps in the slot, but you uh-huh. could tell he could get it done from a route running perspective. I'd like to see more. But then obviously you have, you know, USC's in favor of like, you know, keep him where he's most productive. You know, like we want to win football games. But as mm-hmm. an evaluator, you're kind of like, no, I kind of want to see him play outside so you can <laughs> see him, if he can beat, you know, beat like, you know, press man, all that kind of stuff. But if he plays more outside this year and, and really shows what he can do, I, I think he could really elevate his stock. Yeah, and if I'm saying a USC guy is a first rounder, he's probably pretty fucking good because I'm not quick to get on board, you know, with those there you go. Trojans. Yeah. All right, yeah. Rashad, Rashad Rashad Bateman, Minnesota wide receiver, a guy not named Tyler Johnson that also dominated with Tanner Morgan there in Minnesota. He's another guy that I, I, I'm glad you have him in a similar uh, tier as Jamar Chase. Not as fast as Jamar Chase, but a guy that can really do it all and, and win down the football field at the, on the outside. He's also played a little bit inside. I think he is another one of those, like, you know, all around talented receivers in this class. Yes. And all around and talented is very indicative. This guy, he's better than Tyler Johnson, honestly, as prospect. So oh, absolutely. Same size, six two, two hundred. He's faster. He doesn't have quite the route running shot. Like he doesn't have quite that shake that Tyler Johnson did coming out, but I think he's, I mean, being two years younger, I think he's going to develop into just a better wide receiver. He had, so he had more catches than anyone else, even, even Jamar Chase at the intermediate level in this, uh, of the guys on this list. I'm not sure if it was all the guys college football, 32 catches from 10 to 19 yards down the field. That was the most. And then 14 catches, 20 plus yards downfield last year. So this guy wins again, where we want to see you win. We don't give a shit about if you take a screen to the house a lot against college defenses. That's nice. That's like a nice little cherry on top. But we want to see you win as a route runner. Rashad Bateman did that and did that handily this past year. It's a true sophomore again, mind you, at Minnesota. 60 catches, 1,219 yards. It's over 20 a pop. The dude's he's very legit. And again, another guy who's like Elman Ross St. Brown. Uh, not to chase probably a little freakier, but like there's not one big thing they can hang their hat on, but they can do it all. Yeah, I, I don't think he's he's got decent yak ability too. Look at six point one yards after the catch per reception, seventeen broken that tackles is. this past year. That's good for a wide receiver that's winning at the intermediate level as often as he is. Over mm-hmm. twelve hundred receiving yards, eleven touchdowns, and an eighty nine point zero PFF receiving grade. Jumping to the next guy in the do it all tier, Chris Olave of Ohio State. I I watch his tape and it, it remind you know you you watch all of his targets and you really recognize how consistent and how smooth he is. But yes. the high end. They they schemed a lot of his throws. I don't know if you saw on his tape. I don't, uh, if you saw all of his targets, there's that throw, that concept that Ohio State runs where he starts running like a crosser or a drag and then opens oh, up over the middle up. of the field. Yeah. That is that is juicy. They had that they had that run into him. I think two or three times this past season with easy easy touchdowns against like I think wait, wait Tampa two or something like that. But it was really impressive to see um, how how well that Ohio State scheme you know gets their receivers open. But in addition to that, Olave a handful of really smooth routes on tape mm-hmm. yeah so he's skinny still this dude 6'1 188 is listed at as ohio state he needs to put on some strength like he needs to get a little muscle in his frame and it shows on tape like he's not after the catch not great only three broken tackles on 49 catches last year but he's fast this guy's pro- this guy looks like a legit 4-4 on tape if not maybe even a little bit faster can get open down the football field and then Shit, he goes to Ohio State. Dude knows how to run routes in his sleep. Yeah. Uh, so he has sort of that ability. I still do worry about the size and the after the catchability. Reminds me kind of of a 
Van Jefferson to a degree that, but okay. again, he's too, so Van Jefferson was old though. Van Jefferson was like in his fifth year coming out. He, Olave still has room for growth. He can, he can sort of shake that. He can return to school. Really? I mean, he yeah. can return to school after this year if he yeah, wanted to. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I want to, you, you bring up, you know, only three force missed tackles, only 3.2 yards after the catch per reception. That is a low average yeah. for a uh, college football receiver yards after the catch. We don't talk about it a ton, but I've been looking into it as like, just like researching, like it's importance, it's stability. Like it's one of the more stable metrics from college to pro. It's one of the more stable metrics year over year in the NFL. In, in, in similar to like separation on targets and those types of things, things that we value when we're valuing receivers. I really do think yards after the catchability is something you should value as an evaluator scouting receivers at the college level because you know it comes into the next level. Mm-hmm. And you look at A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel this past year, two of the best rookie receivers. They had the two, the two best yards after the catch per reception averages of any receiver over the past five years. You can produce on mm-hmm. low average depths of target um, – with high yak ability. And I think high end yak ability, I think in the right offenses can be like a very productive NFL receiver. So looking at that, it's kind of how uh, like running backs, I mean, running backs, we've seen broken tackles translate as well. If you break tackles, shit, you break tackles. There's no like going from, there's no going from Chris Olave to then LaVisca Chanel or, you know, or to Debo Samuel at the next level. Chris Olave is never going to look like that. Like he's never going to break tackles at that level. So and it's not and a lot of people, you know, see that, you know, receiving you know, average average depth of target or receiving depth is very indicative of how many yards after the catch you'll gain. It's not that it's a lot of it is ability. You know, you look at, yeah. you know, uh, correlations between target depth and yards after the catch. It's point three to point four. Nothing crazy. It really matters. How good can you break tackles and mm-hmm. wh- what kind of speed and you know ability do you have with the ball in your hands? I think it's uh, really an innate trait. Yeah, and I will say, though. Olave's role was similar to Terry McLaurin's role in that Ohio State offense where he wasn't getting the screens. He, he wasn't getting those. So yes. he was getting the downfield targets. His depth of target was fairly deep. So yeah. there, there, it does, there is still something to that. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not like crushing the guy for only three broken tackles last year. Too much. Yep. All right. Last guy here in the state school. I'm not sure. The one he, guy. He'll, he'll, the one guy see in the, in the, of the, <laughs> Hundred guys who are going to be in the next draft guide who is goes to a California state school. So Trey Walker, you really liked him potentially entering the twenty twenty NFL draft. I didn't. I, again, I, I need to watch the tape with you because I, I I was not a huge fan of Trey Walker. I need to see what you see here. Five hundred ninety six yards in his last four games. He averaged over a hundred yards. <laughs> over so eleven hundred sixty one yards. He had in only ten games last year after he came back from injury. Broke twenty one tackles on seventy nine catches. Wow. Uh, that's, and, and that's he's actually insane. he's actually pretty good. So he had the second most contested catches of anyone on this list that we're going to talk about. Seventeen contested catches last year on thirty six attempts. Now he's not going up against the greatest competition, San Diego State, or excuse me, San Jose State. They played San Diego State, and that wasn't the greatest competition. That was actually his worst game last year. So hang your hat on that one, there, Austin. But yeah, it was yeah. our worst his worst game. San Diego State's defensive backs are solid. Luke Barku. <laughs> I mean, come on, we got some talent back there. So five eleven one eighty though. Trey Walker is he's undersized at this point, but it, he doesn't play necessarily undersized. Uh, he plays a little more physical than that. I still need, that's why he came back to school. He still needs to get a little bit bigger. He needs to get that up to like five eleven, one ninety before we can start to talk, but it, he's just a very, I call him a bouncy route runner. Like he gets in and out of his breaks very w- without losing speed. So uh, I, I think there's just, a, 
he's just a good name to watch heading into next year. I wouldn't put him in top two round conversation, but like maybe end of day two, he's in the conversation right now. Early day. I got to go back and watch these last four games because maybe the injury was what kind of brought him down a bit. But I'm watching these 596 yards. How many broken tackles he's got? I, I got to go back and watch the tape. I think. I think. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a must. It's and I gotta get watch that San Diego State game. See how badly he performed against <laughs> top guys there. All right, uh, this next tier or next group here is the explosive plays waiting to happen. And a lot of my favorite group. names, a lot of my favorite names are in this group. I, I mean, these <laughs> first two guys, the two Alabama guys. I watched Jalen Waddle last night, dude. I am so jacked off the speed that they got. I mean, Devontae Smith. Let's start there. Let's start Devontae Smith. Yeah. Very thin, very skinny, and you see, you can kind of see physicality affect his routes a bit but this guy's got speed for days and honestly like how he got off the line of scrimmage against some better some of the better competition last year is super impressive for a guy that was a true sophomore last year no he was a junior last year so he was junior last year oh okay okay that kind of puts things in a different perspective but still young player that really really performed well outside yeah that's just a little worrisome thing it's like can he can he add the weight because 175 is a tough sell because he's not you can be Marquise Brown, and Marquise Brown was what, like 5'10", 5'11", 170? Yeah, like the Sean Jackson territory. Yeah, he's like 6'1", 175. Like, this isn't, yeah. this is just like all around skinny. And if you've been three years in the college weight room and you're not putting it on, uh, and the scary, and the kind of scary thing is that Smith with him, it happened in burst. It was like massively big plays. It was the 274 yards against Ole Miss, yeah. 213 against LSU. And yes, that's good competition against LSU. They did against. One was the clap play that was really, I could have, mm, okay, that was going too far to say I could have done that. But uh, every wide receiver in college football could have. <laughs> yeah, they, no, no, that play should get thrown out the, the exactly. tape. It's not very important. That was nothing. But uh, he's, I just worry about him being a consistent deep threat at that size at the NFL level, like being yeah, able to get off press the way he did in college. It's just like he needs to get bigger. But once he does, if he does, then we can start to talk because, man, he is explosive and he is plays way more physical than that size at the catch point. Like he is very strong in that regard. Uh, so I, I, I'm a fan of his game. Like I think he's a first rounder, but I still have some reservations. I'm first rounder, like with an asterisk saying that he can put on some muscle. Yeah, I mean, I think for that reason, I think some people were asking that he kind of come out last year. I think it's, you know, for the reasons that you want to see him improve, I think it's smart that he came back because I think those are things he can act on. That's actionable feedback to get better for 2020, you know, get it, you know, adding some weight and then also being more consistent down the field. Now that he'll likely be, what, the number one target there in Alabama, unless Jalen Waddle, this next guy we bring up, kind of takes over. But I could see Jalen Waddle taking on the Henry Ruggs role or playing, getting the Henry Ruggs hype very soon because of just how fast this dude is. This guy has got dumb speed down the football field. I honestly think he's better than Henry Ruggs. I'm not convinced he's not. I'm not convinced he's not watching last year. Go and also go back to 2018. He was more featured yeah. in the offense in 2018. And you saw how important he was to this team, what he could do after the catch. They involved him behind the line of scrimmage a lot more than they did with Henry Ruggs because he is a little bit j- more jittery than Henry yes. Ruggs. He's not as stiff as Henry Ruggs. And I think. Dude, I, I, he runs some routes that I could not find without getting on the All-22 to throw on broadcast. But, like, there is some smoothness to his routes that you didn't see with Henry Ruggs. Like, it's this, it's the jitteriness, the smoothness. Like, he is getting slept on. And I already know he's, like, this breakout candidate on a lot of people's boards. I still think he's getting slept on. So that's the thing. It's like he wasn't – his stats 
looked like they took a step back last year. Like he, he massive rookie year, 848 yards, seven touchdowns, not rookie year. Jesus Christ. Who am I? The freshman year, 848 yards. And then sophomore year, it's only like, Oh, only 560 yards, six touchdowns, only 33 catches. What happened? What happened was he didn't see the football field. Man was only on the field for 188 pass plays last year. He averaged 12.2 yards after catch per reception. He averaged a, he had a perfect passer rating when targeted last year. Jalen Waddle did averaged almost three yards per route. That's better than guys like Tamorian Terry, Sage Surratt, Justin Ross in this in like in the 2021 class. Uh, he was very good when he was on the football field. They just didn't play him much. He is a this guy is. Honestly, my opinion, I think he's going to be a better prospect than Henry Ruggs, and he has that. He probably has low four three type of speed, maybe not four two seven, but yeah, more than enough. So I was looking at this recently. I'm dropping this chart on Twitter later today, but I'm looking at you know comparing yards per route run and target rate, and, and like target rate is obviously very indicative of yards per route run. It has like a 0.89 correlation, R squared 0.66. Like very, like if you're getting targeted very often, like on a high percentage of your routes, you're going to gain more yards as well. The guys who are you know setting that expectation based on target rate, guys that best in college football over the past two years in yards per route run above expectation. I'll read them in order. This is first through yeah. one through five. CD Lamb. Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, one through four. Those are the top four guys, guys that are just adding above their target rate. Because I wanted to look at that stat specifically for Waddle because he's not he's not thrown a ton on. uh, He's not thrown the football a ton. So like looking at his yards per route run compared to a CeeDee Lamb or compared to a a Jamar Chase, it's different. Like this guy was not running a ton of routes and also not targeted on a high percentage of his routes compared to some of these other top guys. All right. Jumping to, after we've done waxing poetic about Jalen Waddell, mm. on Terry, the Florida State guy. This is this guy called Scary Terry, and a lot, I think I've seen that. This is nicknamed by Florida State or whatever it may be. Scary for all the mm. right reasons. This dude's a monster. This guy is huge. Six foot four, 205 pounds, and like plays big on the football field. So I'm not comparing him to Randy Moss, but the way he runs, <laughs> like the gait yeah. of the way he runs, because being 6'4", 205, like it's very similar. And the way he can like... Uh, you know, the way he can cut is just the way he does cut, not the way he can, but the way he does cut is all like this similar movement, sort of the way he moves to Randy Moss. Now, he's not that, but he is much faster than your average six foot four, 205 pound wide receiver. Tall guy, but man, when he gets up to speed, he can fly, this dude. And he's averaged over 20 yards a catch for his career, averaged over 10 yards after the catch this past year. He can actually, this guy is a big play threat now he's still very skinny like 6'4 205 you'd rather him you're 6'4 215 is probably about the range you'd like to see for a guy that size so he probably still needs to put on some muscle more than likely why he came back to school because i think he was a redshirt sophomore last year and could have declared but didn't but i i this guy's very interesting i usually lean away from big and skinny because that's just not a good combo you (laughs) you get (laughs) You get your ass like packed by by stronger cornerbacks in the NFL. Like you're going up against you're six four two oh five. You go up against a six foot two hundred and five pound cornerback, which is like a lot of the cornerbacks in the NFL, he is much, much stronger than you are. Like he yeah. is going to out muscle you, whereas everyone thinks, Oh, it's a tall wide receiver, he's going to, you know, he's gonna out jump this guy. It's like, no, that cornerback probably is a forty inch vertical and that cornerback is much stronger than him. He has, he's more likely to come down with the ball than the 6-4 guy. So I, I, I'm wary of them. you gotta, you got to have that speed to your game, so, something, some plan B if you're a skinny wide receiver. 
think Terry might have some of that. Yeah, Terry's a guy that I think I watched a lot on TV, and then I think I ran through a couple of his games this past year, but I haven't done a huge deep dive on him. It sounds like he's getting added to my list. It sounds like he's more than just this big receiver, this big frame. So, yeah. And I usually steer away from when I'm like watching guys and look, look deciding to watch guys and prioritize, steering away from the bigger guys, I kind of wait. Like the like these guys we'll get into next, the catch point kings and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll get to the guys who are good at the contested catch point later. I want to see the guys that can really break the game with speed or separation ability, etc. But going to Thailand Wallace of Oklahoma State. This is a guy we had a lot of conversation about this past year, potentially entering the 2020 NFL draft. Saw him as a guy, does a ton after the catch, but maybe not the separator that we wanted. I don't know. He, he had some interesting some interesting tape this past year. Yeah, he's just not particularly crafty as a route runner. Like, he's yeah. explosive. The guy was a, I think he was finished second in Texas in the triple jump coming out of high school. Like, he, you see that. You see the speed when he's in the open field. You see that. But he's still only six foot one eighty five, and while he has some highlight reel catches in traffic, he's not been good in traffic throughout his career. So, his more of his highlights are, I'm wide open via scheme, whether it's screen, a slant against off, something like that, and then he takes it to the house because he's fast. I just worry about, uh, and now he tore his ACL against full production, State. really. Yeah, yeah. I just worry about that, like these monster numbers. But a lot of it just seems not necessarily translatable to the NFL. And I'm, he has good hands. Uh, only three drops on 56 catchable this past year. I'm not really worried about that. But I just think he's not going to be super great at the catch point, And he's not a crafty sort of route runner like a Devontae Smith is. Crafty at getting off the line of scrimmage. You just don't see him get pressed in, in the Big 12 there at Oklahoma State. So. Still have some reservations. I think he needs to prove some of those this upcoming season. All right. Jumping to the catch point Kings. Yeah. Uh, Justin Ross, his, his freshman season was absurd. I went back and watched that. And like, you see the catch point and like, see what he can do. Like from a catch radius standpoint too is great. This is that big receiver though, that doesn't have maybe that separation ability or that speed down the football field that kind of like separates him as a big receiver that separates well. But Justin Ross, also took a step back this past year. Where are you at with him right now? Yeah, so as a freshman, he had 1,000 yards on only 201 pass plays. He led the nation in yards per <laughs> round. For comparison, Jamar Chase was on the field for 505 pass plays last year. So if he would have been on the field for as many routes as Jamar Chase was and, and maintained that efficiency, he would have had well over 2,000 receiving yards as a freshman. So he was pretty lights out that year, but he really is... He's not great one-on-one. He's not great uh, separating one-on-one still limited athletically. He's just a limited athlete. I don't think he's – he might legitimately be a 4-6 guy. Like He's not going to be sub-4-5. He's just not that fast. But, man, he can sky for a uh, 6-foot-4 wide receiver. absolutely can sky. He can sky. <laughs> get up in the air and has really, really good ball skills, and that's kind of his calling card. And, like, it's to the point where with how, like – with how physical he is and how like high he can jump that I actually think that in and of itself can still be a weapon at the NFL level. But I just need to see some more separation ability from him next year. However, that does come, whether it's be by, yeah. by being more physical along his routes, whatnot. Uh, the next guy on this list, I'll just kick to him right now. Sage Surratt from Wake Forest. Justin Ross can like learn a thing or two from him and the way he runs his routes. Sage Rod 6'3", 215, and the way he gets open is by pushing cornerbacks off of him. Like, he, he will use his body. He wants you 
to be next to him when he's about to go on his route break because then he's going to separate from you. Like he, he wants that contact because he knows with his speed you're, he's not going to beat you that way. He is very slow. He is, knows he's not exceptionally quick, but I think he's quick enough to still get that step of separation. But he uses his size really, really well, as well as any of the guys in this class. Uh, but he is just so goddamn slow, man. Zayn is just so limited that I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do necessarily with him at the next the level. Speed, the speed, the speed is like yeah. so, or the the speed or lack thereof, the lack thereof. is thereof. so notable. Is so mm-hmm. notable on tape. You see, like four six, four seven, just putrid yeah. speed on tape. But I mean, he's also like, I mean, these big body guys. You go back to what I was talking to talking to you about about you know separation percentage, you know percent of targets where you're creating separation, uh, yards after the catch. Like these are very stable metrics from college to pro and in the NFL. Contested catchability is not. Like contested catchability is simply not stable. So like if you're hanging your hat on being a high percentage contested catch guy, it's very difficult to maintain that year over year. And from the college to the pros, you're going to be just as covered because like obviously separation percentage being consistent and stable contested percentage is similarly stable. And you just don't look like to see that you think about guys that had some of the highest contested target percentages. So of all targets, what percentage of them were contested over the past like three years, guys that come up are Jay. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Hakeem Butler, Denzel Mims, these guys that when you put on the tape, you see guys that like really couldn't create consistent separation. These bigger you receivers. You take it back about J.J. Take it back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I take it back. I take it back. But still, these guys that like notably have struggled <laughs> to to kind of get take that step. I will you know, admit that. <laughs> Denzel Mims obviously hasn't taken that That's step not, yet. Yeah. But like he, it's, there's a type. There's a type of receiver at the top of that list. And I'll tell you what, it's these big body contested catch guys that have these highlight reel catches, but maybe not this, you know, consistent production that you need to be a wide receiver one in the NFL. All right. Jumping to Seth Williams of Auburn of the, of the three, this is your least favorite. Yeah. I, I, so he's been getting first round hype because he's six, four, two twenty four. had some real highlight reel catches. If you remember the one against LSU, on the sideline, the ridiculous Bo Nix throw rolling to his left and then like one hand over the top of the guy. Um, so he has a highlight reel that's pretty dope. But his consistency is just but like not, not good. He doesn't get open. This guy. So there's on the spectrum of big wide receivers where you have like maybe a Michael Thomas on the very good side. That's your ideal. What you want it to look like as a bigger guy. And then you have Kelvin Benjamin on the other side. He is. He's right next to Kelvin Benjamin oh, on the bad no. side. Of, oh, no. <laughs> he looks like he's carrying maybe a little weight that he probably shouldn't. Like, he does, he's not cut up at 6'4", 224. Like, he is not – he could stand to lose uh, and get his body fat percentage down a little bit, we'll say, say it kindly. But he struggles to get open. 18 of 56 targets, 10-plus yards down the field he hauled in. Only 18 of 56 and only 6 of 18 contested in that regard. He just – He's not nearly as physical as that, you know, 224 pound number sounds. Uh, I'm not. I'm not on board with first round hype. Now, this he, is why he's this only is why you sophomore, can't... but this is like this is the ones you worry about in terms of separation ability. You can't fall in love with these big contested catch guys because the contested catches make great highlights, but from a consistency standpoint, look at these numbers you have written out here. Caught 18 of 56 targets, 10-plus yards down the field. That's atrocious. Six of 18 in contested catch situations. Yes, those six are probably awesome, 
but missing that many is also a huge concern. Like th- that, that consistency, I agree with you, scares me. All right, last tier here, last category, the souped-up gadgets. And I remember texting you, I think it was yesterday or the day before, the Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore's tape is so great. It is, it is like, it I, is. I know you, I, I went back. It's freshman year seeing, tape, too. I know, his freshman year tape, so 2018, because yeah. in 2019, I don't know what the injury was. I should know this. But... It was a knee that was unreported. So, Oh, really? Unreported yeah. knee injury. So well, we'll get, that'll, be, that'll come up at the combine next year, and everyone will be like, his stock's dropping. Oh, but, man. Yeah. You hate to see that. But with Rondell Moore, even the Vanderbilt game in 2019, you see the jitteriness. I remember we were talking about Rondell Moore being like, you know, this Tyreek Hill type. He doesn't have that speed. Not at all. Like, I, mean, I, I don't know if he has even – he has 4-4 yeah. four, four type of speed, but, like, it's not like 4-3, four, 4-2. Four, not with it's, this guy. It's more but saying it, like a roll. The Tyreek Hill roll is what yes. you want them. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason, and we talked about this too, but the reason like you kind of see it more with Rondell Moore than maybe you do see it with Henry Ruggs is this jitteriness we speak to, the bounciness, where you kind of see him like able to move side to side, move laterally, and absolutely put defenders on the turf with how he moves side to side. I, I think that you, you see it. You see it instantly. It's freak. And, and the other crazy thing, and that's going to be, so I'll get to, I'll just lump the next guy in here on this list because they're very similar players. Tutu Atwell from Louisville. If you haven't watched him, he don't like he probably is a, a four three guy with very similar similar jitteriness, but he has no physicality or play strength to his game whatsoever. That is the difference that what Rondell Moore brings to the table is. I know it's going to translate to the NFL because the dude is a horse. The dude is rocked up. Like that's five. why the Steve Smith comparisons come because exactly. he's just a yeah. dog. Like Rondell Moore is a dog, and you yeah. see it in every single play. That Ohio State play. Just go back to the Ohio State play where he like is that Denzel Ward? He just puts into the turf a number twelve for Ohio State. I don't know who it was, but twenty eighteen it was just mm-hmm. it was bad news bears, man. He he's 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 a horse Denzel like Ward in the NFL already, so I don't think it was uh, that's true. Over. But Bear, he thirty seven broken tackles as a freshman. Rondell Moore led the nation that year as a true freshman. Like, and he stepped on the field as true freshman, looked like a grown ass man. I, I really can't wait to see what he does this year. I really. <laughs> selfishly wish he would have gone to a better program yeah purdue but, no, but if he goes to a better program though i don't think he sees the targets he's seeing I as early he, as he is really that's how special i mean this guy's i think he's going to be a top 10 to 15 pick like this did you listen dead. to the commentary in their opening game of the 2018 season the northwestern game the entire first like quarter before he catches a pass they're like, wait till they get this kid the ball. Wait till they get like they're like they're talking about like they dude like they had this freshman, this true freshman in training camp that's blowing people away. Wait till they get him the ball. And then his first play is the one where they like, kind of loop him out on a flare and he just breaks the ankles of like two dudes. It's like they, this guy's been hyped up since well, day one and for all for you, the right reason. I was like, could you imagine being Purdue? You're and as a Notre Dame grad, I can talk shit about Purdue like this. You, you just being Purdue and being a bad, objectively one of the b- bottom dwellers in college football for the better part of two decades since Drew Brees. Like yeah. you just haven't been good. And this guy rolls in who is basically an NFL caliber player <laughs> already as 18 years old and is probably just demolishing your cornerbacks there. And like, and you just like seeing this guy, you would. You would be telling every single person you knew, too, if you're the coach of Purdue at the time. So. Yeah, no, I agree. But, I mean, so you speak to, like, receive that look at their daughter, 
Think of how different Rondell Moore looks to the Purdue staff, like the, the rest of the Purdue team in training yeah. camp. Like this guy is going to stand out like a sore thumb. I encourage everyone to go back to his 2018 tape. And even the start of his 2019 season is great too. Like Vanderbilt game, you see some special stuff. We got to bring this up though. I saw a lot of focus drops on his tape. You see that with him. I, I saw, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of drops on. Um, awesome. This to was the Rondale Moore circle jerk. Just stop bringing I, up I, negatives. I apologize. But. I apologize. <laughs> but I ended up, I remember like moving through his targets in 2018 where he had a shitload. I think it was like 150 or something like that. As a true freshman, 154 targets as a true freshman and caught 74% of them. Yeah. That is absurd. <laughs> yeah, I had a very low average depth of target though. I think it was like only like three or four yeah, yards. He was getting pumped through. the ball. Yeah. Pumped the football regardless um looks like seven drops in 2018 three drops in 29 only 10 drops over the past two years so it's still not bad but you see that they're focused drops though not yeah. necessarily ball skills drops for sure oh and tutu look they had to get tutu at well who i brought up like i said very yep. similar guy but he is undersized at the moment he is skinny 5'9 165 but he is dude's electric with the ball in his hands they just throw him jet sweep jet sweep screen underneath stuff they try to give him the ball in his hands as much as possible 104 targets last year 1,270 yards, 12 touchdowns, a guy who I, I think there's more and more a role for these guys in NFL offenses. Yes, he stinks against – yes, you don't want him to play through contact ever. Four of 16 contested catches last year. He's not going to be that guy. You don't want, he's not going to be you know, winning from the outside ever, but he is what you want, I think, in a slot receiver in today's NFL yes. in that – He's and slot receivers start. Speed. Slot receivers start yeah. for your teams now. Like eleven yeah. personnel has literally taken over the NFL, and is like you know teams in, like are trying more and more to put more receivers on the football field. I mean, Arizona Cardinals ran ten personnel a ton this past year. Like as as teams continue to put more and more receivers on the football field, you need this like complementary wide receiving core this you know a guy that can stretch the field a guy that can make plays after the catch you know with you know targets at the line of scrimmage and then you have your bigger bodied receiver winning at the intermediate level like you want that complement of receivers and you've talked about this too where having like you you want like different skill sets at the receiver position so you can lean on different guys you don't all want to you don't want three two two at wells out there you you need yes. like some variability yes. and, uh <laughs> some variability in or, or three jj arthur white sides <laughs> you that don't want that too. The, the Eagles had that last year, I think, with JJ Ortega Whiteside, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, whoever else they were trotting out there. I guess one of the tight ends. Um, Quarterback. But I'm super excited about Rondale Moore, man. I hate that I ended it with the drops thing, but like you just do see it, like kind <laughs> yes. of like it's too, he's jacked to start running with the football. And you can yeah. kind of see him lead before he does that. But regardless, last guy on the list here, and I haven't watched any of this guy's tape Daz Newsom, North Carolina. I'm surprised you didn't bring up Diami Brown. Diami Brown of North Carolina. Diami Brown's good. Uh, I, I actually brought him up in the write-up of Daz Newsom on the article I did on the website. Oh, wow. So, so he gets a small mention. <laughs> a small mention. But they bring back a pretty good wide receiver duo, though, for Sam Howell, the quarterback, who's going to be a top-ten pick in the 2022 draft. Uh, a little early preview there for you guys of 2022. But Newsom, he's actually – so he's undersized guy, slot only in that offense, but he's a lot stronger than a – than a 2-2 at well. Like, like he's good at the catch point. 7-11 contest targets last year, plays physical, and has that sort of dynamic ability with the ball in his hands. Broke 19 tackles on 72 catches last year, over 1,000 receiving yards. I'm just interested to see how he takes his game, to, if, his, if he can go to a next level. I think he's very athletic. I don't think he's 4-3. I think he's probably like a 4-4 guy. But he's still, like with the ball in his hands, you see that suddenness. You see that lateral agility. 
Uh, I'm, I'm just interested to see if he takes like another, I put him in the gadgets tier because that's kind of how they use them at North Carolina. But he also had 13 deep targets, like 13 deep catches, excuse oh, me, okay. last year. Like he actually like produced down the football field from the slot. I'm interested to see if they just use him more outside or if that's something he does even more of in 2020. So. 689 of his offensive snaps played in the slot this past year. I haven't watched any of them, but I'm, I'm, I'll definitely look into the guy. 19 broken tackles on 72 receptions is a rate I can get on board with, and that yeah. obviously translates to good yak production. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for the 2021 receiving class overview. All right, after going through it all again, you're still very confident the 2021 class will be or should be better than 2020. Yes, I'm saying at this point in time, they are better than the 2020 was. At and last. this doesn't even include the two or three guys that'll break out in 2020. Exactly. That's you know, the like thing there, are, there'll be a couple guys that they didn't grade super well, that didn't grade super well the previous year, or maybe get a role switch that are like former four star, former five star recruits that really blow it up. I, I, I wish we could see the the former five star that's transferring to Florida this year, Justin Shorter, that big monster. Have you seen that guy? Six foot four, like two ten or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But he, He's a former five-star, originally committed to Penn State, I believe, and now is taking 2020 off. Hopefully, he's one of few football players taking 2020 off. Not every single one of them. I'll take 2020 (laughs) off with him, shit. Um, But he's transferring to Florida. I I think he's another impressive receiver. Obviously, probably won't come out. But regardless, I'm super excited about this. Yeah. (laughs) Transfer. Uh, You know what? I think I'm just going to (laughs) go. Super exciting uh, 2021 receiving class. Like you got, you can pick your flavor here. I mean, you got your do it all types, the gadget types, the explosive. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun in 2020, barring that there is a football season. All right, Mike, that's it for the Wednesday edition of the podcast. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate all the listens Uh, until next week. This is Austin Gale, Mike Renner, two for one drafts. 